your day is sunshiny. Welcome to the Bookshop Chronicles. My name is Brandy. I used to run Alberta's very first book truck, but now I run an indie bookshop in the cutest community in Edmonton called High Street. And I am so glad you are here. Today, we are going to talk spooky books, scary books, creepy books, Stories that make you stay up too late and then not be able to sleep. You know what I mean? I am not really familiar with the scary books. However, it's a good thing that my guest is. I met Elise Eichmuller through social media when I had the book truck and she loved the idea of it. It was so fun. We connected. She ordered some books. We delivered them to her. And then when she heard that we were going to be setting up a bookstore, she volunteered to come and help us unpack books and stock the shelves. She spent an entire day helping us, y'all. She gave her time to our store. So this is the kind of human that Elise is. She's extraordinary. She's amazing. She loves books hardcore. So she's going to tell you all about her love for books and why she loves a spooky book. So here you go. Here is my conversation with the amazing Elise. Okay, so Elise. Yes. I am beyond excited to actually talk with you about all the things you read because I follow you and I know about your reading taste, but it is so wildly different from my own that I feel like I want to get inside your head and just know more. So can you tell us a little bit about you and about how you would describe your reading life? Okay, well, my name is Elise and I'm a court reporter. Um, most of the stuff that I read is are thriller books. Um, I've recently got into the Nordic Noir. I like how dark it is. I like the flawed characters. And I seem to gravitate towards books that have that. And if one of those characters happens to be female, bonus. Um, I also really like horror books and not gory stuff, but the stuff that really, you know, gets into your head and messes with you and then you can't sleep or you get up in the middle of the night and you go to the bathroom and you're sweating <laughs> that kind of book I love that stuff same thing with movies I I just with the job that I do I hear about real life murders and real life like horror stories really so you would think that in my personal life like outside of work I would want something a little bit more you know airy a little bit more light I don't I think I just like I, I just like it. Maybe you don't want to get in my head. <laughs> no, I, I kind of do. I kind of do. I'm There's so no fascinated. Out. There's no getting out. I'm fascinated because I have never really gravitated towards things that were scary or things that were creepy at all. Like I just it was kind of never my thing. But it's kind of like um, like a car accident. Like when you drive by, you have to look. Like, mm -hmm. I'm very yeah. curious about it, but I, I won't necessarily stop the car. Like, <laughs> I don't know how far I'm going to dive into that. <laughs> have you always loved things that were scary? Yes, I have always. Even when I was a kid, um, my mom's younger sister, Pam. Um, okay, I was born in Hong Kong. We moved to Canada when I was seven, and my aunt lived a couple doors down. And she used to babysit my brother, mm -hmm. me and my brother. And we would go over there. And she would tell us ghost stories. And she would say, hey, don't tell your mom. I'm telling these ghost stories because you won't be able to sleep when you get home. I'm tell me more. Tell me more. And my brother and I both loved it. And we loved watching. Um, do you remember that show, Unsolved Mysteries? I do. Oh, my God. My favorite show. I love that stuff. But even when I was younger in Hong Kong, um, I would love the, the ghost stories that, uh, like, my mom or her friends or my grandma would tell. Like, just... and. Asian horror stories, horror movies, and horror books are dark. Like, they're really scary. And I loved it. I loved all of it. And it's just continued. Like, I never, I was never into fairy tales. Um, I like myths. So Greek myths, um, Nordic myths, like any kind of um, mythology from every culture. I love that stuff. But I always liked the ghost stories and the scary stuff and the murder mysteries and... Um, like I started reading, uh, like after I, I, I learned English and I used kind of the, uh, like Beverly Cleary and the Judy Blooms to 
improve my English skills, I jumped right into Stephen King. And I jumped, <laughs> yeah, from Beverly Cleary to Stephen King. That's me. That's the head you're going into, Brandy. That saying. is the leap. Oh, no, I love it. <laughs> I love that that's where your head is. Because yeah. I think there's something so beautifully drastic and creative about that. Mm. Right? I mean, I know Stephen King is not just a horror writer. He's he's all different things. So he yeah. can't be put into one box. But when you're young, you're not looking for all the deep themes. You're thinking of like the Cujo and the killings and the Pennywise yeah. and all that stuff, yep. right? Good stuff. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And so did you watch horror films too? All the time. Oh my word. All the time. So one of my, I think it was my grade five birthday. I had a bunch of friends over and it was a sleepover party. And I don't know what my mom was thinking, but she actually let me rent um, Friday, not Friday 13th, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. And we watched it. None of us slept. My friends still remember that to this day. Yes. <laughs> Some of them were yes. traumatized. But uh, Oh always. my gosh. You would get so, you would have so much in common with my friend Tiffany. When we were in junior high, mm -hmm. she was very similar to you. Like, she loved all the horror stuff. It was just her jam. Like, she just gravitated towards it. She got it. And we had sleepovers at her house a lot. And she would always pull out these zingers. And then she would just go to sleep. And I'd be yeah, <laughs> I'd be petrified listening to every weird sound in this strange house. And I couldn't sleep for days. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. She was like, oh, it's one of my favorites. And I thought, okay, I'll... And I would look at it through my fingers and try to like anticipate and tell myself, this isn't real. You're too smart to think this is real. I still couldn't sleep. I still couldn't do it. I still think about that sometimes if I'm in the tub, you know, that scene where the, the <laughs> razors come out. <laughs> it's in my head, Elise. It's in there. But that's the scary thing about that movie, though, is and I know we're not here to talk about movies, but it's when you fall asleep is when the scary stuff happens. That's why. That's why yes, when you're, Oh, when you're vulnerable. Yeah. I know. Oh, my gosh. And awesome, the scene, right? <laughs> oh, the scene in the very beginning when the girl's sitting in school and she falls asleep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> I was a wreck. Yeah. And it's not even the it's not even the gory stuff that I like. And it translates into the stuff that I read. It's the stuff that, you know, you have you, you think about it days later. And like, ooh, that's so creepy. I love yeah, that feeling. I love it feeling. is. What was that? What was a movie where the couple decided to film things happening in their house? Oh, uh, paranormal activities. Probably yes. And they filmed the camera on the bed all night long, yep. and yep, you saw it. the woman get up and just stand by the bed. Yep. That image mm -hmm. of her just standing there for hours. Yep. Was for me the creepiest thing in that whole film. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that stays with me. That's why I think I'm very nervous about getting into a book because my imagination sometimes can be crazy off the charts. Mm -hmm. And if I see one image of a woman standing by a bed <laughs> and I'm set off, what will a book do to me? <laughs> well, didn't your kids used to do that to you when they were younger? Probably. Just come up to your bed and they stand there and they stare at you until you wake up. Or yeah. maybe it's just my kids. <laughs> yeah. No, they did. Yeah. But I... But I think the mom in me was like, oh, <laughs> like I just, I, I figured that was different. Still creepy. Oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> okay. So you, you love to watch it. You love to read it. Yep. And at work, you're listening to stories that are real life, yep. dark tales of Edmonton. Yep. yep. And you can't get enough. You love it all. I love it all. I think it's the, I don't know what it is for court. Like my work, it definitely is. Um, seeing what happened before the event and what the people were doing, how it led up to the event, the event, and then what all the little things out. It's not even the event really that gets me. Like I'm not really interested in that part. I am, but that's kind of peripheral really. Right. It should be the main event, but it's not. It's all the stuff afterwards, like what people do after the fact, what did they do before it led up to them doing these horrible things and then how, what did they do after what were their reactions and in a lot of court cases you hear uh, police interviews and you hear um like the 911 call like you hear like all of those things and it, that's the stuff that interests me it's everything how people react to certain things that's the that's the part that interests me the most 
So you can write about the goriest murder scenes, and that's fantastic. You know, it's you know, it's fantastic. But it's why did that person do that horrible thing? You know, what was the relationship between the the perpetrator and the victim? What happens afterwards? How did they try to hide? Did they try to hide? You know, things like that. Or did they go around bragging about it? Did they feel bad about it? Why did they feel bad? Did they feel bad because they got caught? Or do they feel bad because they actually did what they did? You know, things like that. Things that goes on in the head is what I'm interested in. And after Stephen King, I went to serial killer books. And my mom actually wanted to send me, which goes, do you need to see a psychologist or something? And I said, no, no. And I lied. I'm like, no, I just, I want to be a lawyer. So I just want to know how that happens. And she's like, oh, okay, yay, you want to be a lawyer. You know, like Asian mom, right? <laughs> she, yeah. yeah, you want to be a lawyer. Okay, go ahead. Read all the serial killer books that you want. No, it was the, uh, why? Why are they doing that? It is a fascination. Mm. The whole idea of true crime. I, I find it interesting, too, that during the pandemic, mm. true crime podcasts, true crime books, the whole thing has exploded. Right? Yeah. I mean, I and I think you're right. I think it is that that piece around the actual act. And we're we're kind of desensitized with the whole idea of how somebody dies. Mm-hmm. It can only get so gross. Like yeah. there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Right. We've we've been all walking dead all over this. We're done. Yeah. But you're right. It is that it is that mental piece before and it is that recovery piece after and the hiding and the secrecy and the lies and mm-hmm. all of that. I remember in junior high I was really fascinated with serial killers, um, Ted Bundy mm-hmm. and John Wayne Gacy. And I read their books yep. and, and you're right. I don't remember anything about the murders of anybody, yep. but I remember the whole story is about them before and after mm-hmm. that's true. Yep. Yeah. And so when you're reading these books, you're getting all of that from sometimes the perspective of the person who is doing the killing or mm. right. Yeah, I'm, well, you, I'm assuming that's them. Well, generally, the way, especially the Nordic Noirs work, you don't know who it is. Like they give you a whole bunch of uh, character background, and they tell you about all of these characters, and they're from all over the place, right? And then they kind of converge into, um, like converge all together, and then you see how all of these people are, are related. So you don't even know that you're getting the perspective of the killer until the very end and you're like oh my god well that's why he had that oh. peanut butter cupcake because then it makes sense with whatever it is that they're doing right that's never happened in a book i'm just making it up but you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah you know why they ate that chocolate chip cookie like you just it's at the end you put it all together and you're like oh my god holy shit right yeah so yeah yeah and are there certain books or certain authors that stand out as some of your favorites or ones that are really they really excel in this genre um well i find that for some reason and i don't know what it is and i can't put my finger on it a lot of the nordic noir or scandi noir authors do that so um one the author that i got into or the the couple that write as lars kepler um <clears throat> excuse me um, i found through bookstagram which is how you and i met mm-hmm their books are so good. But even before that, um, I had read The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo by, uh, I'm sorry, Stieg Larsson. Stieg, Stieg Larsson, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that was Nordic Noir, but I read that eons ago when it first came out and I loved it. He was really good. And it's just too bad that he only got to write three. Um, I mean, the series continued, but I, I'm too scared to read the last three. I have it. I bought it from you. <laughs> I have it, but um, I'm too scared to read it because I'm afraid that it won't live up to the original trilogy. Yeah, but I will there has definitely been some critique about it for sure. Has there? Okay. Yeah, I'll still I think read because it. when when you like a certain author, and every author has a very unique narrative voice. Mm. When you've read more than one book, you know that voice. If that mm-hmm. narrative voice changes. You can't be fooled. You're very aware that that voice has changed and you're looking for it to be what it was, but you know it's different. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And you know, and I might very much like the the new voice, but I'm just, I love that original trilogy so much that I, I'm a little apprehensive, but mm-hmm. I will still get to it. Yep. But there's just something about, I don't know what it is. It's just different. Like I've 
on, for April, I went on a Karen Slaughter readathon. So and tell me, tell me about that. A Karen Slaughter readathon. What does that include? So she has two. Well, she's a bunch of standalones, but she started out with um, a series called the Grant County series, and it's about well, the Grant County and the the police chief there and the medical um, examiner and all the stuff that they see and all the horrible crimes that happens in this Grant County. Then she switched over to the uh, what's called the Will Trent County, which is still or Will Trent series who is a detective in um, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, still in Atlanta. And then in the middle of the Will Trent series, she brings in characters from the Grant County series. Oh. Which is really good. And she has, um, and all of her things are very twisty and very, um, you know, kind of like that noir style where you kind of bring in, you know, you find out bits and pieces of everywhere and then you all put it together. But it's different. And I can't, put my finger on exactly why it's different but she still has tragic characters she still has kind of that dark feel you know with a small um town in america that's just kind of desolate like there's the economy's bad like but there's just something that's a little bit different and i i, I still haven't been able to put my finger on it yeah love her work I, I really love it but it's not the same feeling i get after reading say a lars kepler series I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's missing that, um, the American style of writing, the, those, those kinds of thrillers is missing that, um, like that creepy factor. It's not as creepy to me. Right. Maybe like that, the dark moody kind of, yeah, I don't, yeah, but it should because it is dark and moody. It's just different. Maybe it's because it's North American and I'm, I'm, um, used to this climate, this environment even though it's set down south, which I'm unfamiliar with, whereas when it's situated in Norway or Sweden or Iceland, it's just different. So maybe it just seems like a different world because it's on the other side of the ocean and the names are different and the places are different. I, maybe that maybe it's as simple as that. I, I don't know. I just... I don't know what it is. Someone tell me. Someone listening to this podcast, tell me what what is the difference between, say, Karen Slaughter and, you know, a Stieg Larsson. Like it's just it just there is a, a a very distinct difference, and I can't put my finger on it. Hmm. So in the Grand County series, you have the police chief who is mar- who was married to the coroner, and that character is Dr. Sarah Linton, very strong female character. Right. And then his um, one of his detectives is Lena Adams. Very strong, nasty woman character. Like, I don't like her. I don't like the the ground. I don't like the chief either. What's his name? I can't even think of it now. Jeffrey. I can't remember his last name. I don't like him. And I really I mean, I I like Sarah Linton, but I wouldn't want to be friends with her either. Like, I don't like any of those characters, but it all works. (laughs) It all works. And um you have to kind of dislike them a little for you to really like the story, I think. But anyways, yes, no, and even in the um, the Will Trent series, the main character is a guy, but he has it, it's a very strong female cast. Hmm. Very strong female. Well, you know what? I haven't, maybe it's just the climate nowadays. I have read very few books lately, like recently published books, where you don't have a strong female character in these thriller type books interesting so i mean still every now and again they'll say oh well this brilliant detective she's 511 and she's got curves in all the right places and blah blah blah. i mean they still kind of describe them that way but there are very strong female characters like right after they describe that they'll describe her kicking some guy's ass which is perfect right yeah yeah whereas um and I hate to say it, but Dan Brown does a lot of that. I had to stop reading one of his books. Like, I think it was Digital Fortress. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, do you have to talk about her breasts and long legs and tiny waist? Like, yeah. every time you just, every time she comes on, like, she's the main character. Yeah. Was every second page, it was talking about some guy watching her walk away and then all of her, all of these physical, I'm like, oh, I can't. Yeah. I nearly threw the book across the room. Can't do it. 
It's actually pretty disturbing how popular that is because we have permitted it. We have said, yes, we vote for that. Every time we buy those books and celebrate those authors and the way they perceive gender and women in these stories, it is very dehumanizing. I hate it. It it drives me crazy because it adds nothing. Like if it added something to the story, Mm -hmm. I get it. You describe your characters how you describe your characters. If that's mm-hmm. how you see them in your mind's eye when you're writing it and it adds something to it, go hard. Yeah. I'll get it. As a reader, as any intelligent female reader, you'll get it. Yeah. And when I say female, I mean like all female. You know what I mean? Right. I'm all inclusive, all female. But when you try to just sneak it in there because you're a misogynistic pig, we'll get yes. that too. So don't do it. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's going to be a long time before we actually hold those writers to task for how they describe female characters and the stereotypes that they perpetuate Mm -hmm. with that kind of description to make people see women only one way. Yeah. And they continually do that as if we have to fit in that one box. And if we don't, well, sorry. Yeah. That that is so discouraging. Yeah. It is. Ugh. It is. And there's there's no need of it. As my no. father-in-law used to say, there's no need of it. <laughs> right? I like it. There's no, no need of it. There's no need of it. There's this isn't... And really, as a reader, you should be allowed, unless, it, unless of course, it, it's important to the story, you should be allowed to kind of picture that person the way you want to picture that person based on your lived experiences. I think that kind of adds to how you feel about a book anyway. I agree. Right? I agree. Yeah, if there were if there were very little um, descriptives or pronouns or whatnot that gave you a very specific mm-hmm. idea of what that person was supposed to be fitting with this historical idea of, mm. of what it looks like, yeah. I think we would actually have a much more open mind to what those characters and those storylines will look like in our lives. <laughs> they will reflect us a little bit nicer. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, we should tell them. We should tell them. <laughs> We're telling you now. Listen. Listen to this podcast. Change your change your narrative. Listen here. Um, anyway, I don't know. What was your original question? We kind of went like, way oh, I, that's why I love it. That's what conversations do. We just we just spiral wherever it goes. That's why I don't have a script. A conversation is so much better when you just let it happen. I think we start talking about serial killers, and then we kind of segue on to like misogyny, misogyny, and equal rights for all. What do serial killers and misogyny have in common? Hmm. Lots, actually. <laughs> yeah, that would be an interesting paper to read, wouldn't it? Yep. Hmm. You write it, I'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll just see if I can find some time. Okay. Oh my gosh. Barely had time to write my grocery list this morning. Mm-hmm. So what are you reading right now? I'm trying to finish the... I'm cheating. I am started the last Karen Slaughter book of my readathon and it's called Broken and I didn't quite finish it so I'm finishing it up and then right after that I'm going to be reading um Jigsaw Man because I have a book club Jigsaw Read. Man what's yeah. that it's I don't know they picked it and I'm going to read it it's a thriller too it's a thriller so tell me about your book club oh my book club this is interesting I had wanted to start a real live book before the pandemic started and shit hit the fan. So yep. then I got into Bookstagram because one, I wanted to keep myself accountable and read more books because I had let it fall in by the wayside because I was so busy with work. My work requires me to um, read transcripts. So I didn't want to do more reading after reading mm-hmm. the work. So I'm like, I'm going to keep myself accountable. I'm going to start reading. I forgot how much I loved it. Join Bookstagram met a girl named May. She's from St. Albert. Um, and it was because she had posted that she wanted to give a couple of books away. I'm like, oh, I want those books. So we met at the West End uh, chapters, had a coffee, got along famously. Um, I think probably about a month later, she goes, okay, well, we're t- I'm doing this buddy read with um, this group of people. Like, would you like to do a buddy read and join us? And then we'll have a, like a, a Zoom chit chat about it. I'm like, yeah, perfect. Let's Let's do that. And I can't even remember what that first book was. It was it's almost a year, almost a year ago now. But we got together and it was six people who got together that 
think the same way, had the same traumas because of the Trump presidency. <laughs> so we um, all just got together and we would briefly talk about the book, but then we would get into everything else. So it was just six people from everywhere that got together that just happened to have the same sense of humor, thought the same way politically. Um, it, it just worked. So there's me and May from here. There's uh, Rob from Georgia. He's an English professor. And Hunter, who was one of his former students, who is now a teacher, also from Georgia. We have Katie from Oklahoma. Um, she teaches also, but I should ask her one day. Um, history. Now she's going to get mad if <laughs> she listens to this because I don't remember. <laughs> and then we have, sorry, Katie. And then we have uh, Emma from, uh, I think, Orange County, California. And she's a therapist. So we span all the time zones. And we get together once a month and we talk and we've picked all kinds of books. Like last month we did, we read Bunny, which is crazy. Have you read Bunny? No. Tell me about it. I can't. I oh. don't know what it's about. I read it and it's like someone, it was really good. I really liked it, but it was a crazy story. Like you don't know at the end, like what part she was hallucinating. If she was hallucinating, I I don't know. We might have to have another podcast to talk about that. I, okay. Yeah, I have no okay. idea. Um, I'll remember to ask you that later. And then this month we're doing Jigsaw. Or no, sorry, Jigsaw Man. And do you take turns choosing the books? Yep. Well, we usually just kind of throw a bunch of ideas together. And we're like, oh, okay, this one, we all have this one. Or this one sounds good. And then we just pick. So it's not like we have designated months where one person chooses and makes everybody else read it. It's not like that. It's just we kind of just agree on one book a month and we're pretty easy going so it doesn't really matter yeah. that's really cool I love yeah. the fact that you just had the idea and you put yourself out there yeah. you made a real human connection with somebody and then that yeah. just sprouted yeah. into becoming this fabulous little pocket of people who all share the same thing who are committed to each other I had I made mag I know you can't see it in the podcast but I'll show you I make magnets of us and I sent them out for Christmas Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. So that's all of us. And then we had Secret Santa. So I had Rob for Secret Santa. So I also made this picture into a throw pillow. You <laughs> I didn't. Sent, I did. Oh, that's hilarious. Him, but I sent everyone else magnets. I thought that was going to cute. But, that's so nice. Yeah. See, honestly, c communities that come together around books, they start out about the books. But Always. you're right. They do. They branch out in the conversations become about other things and the book is really just what brings you together mm -hmm. but it's not always what keeps you together no what keeps you together is the community and the relationships that you have based on this thing that you have in common yep I, I love that I've met so many wonderful people on bookstagram like it blows my mind like I'm usually pretty private for as much as it seems like I'm not like it seems like I'm extroverted because I you know, I like talking with people, but really deep down, I'm introverted. So, but I've met a lot of people who are exactly that hmm. on Bookstagram and form some really good friendships. And like, I know, I, I know I forced myself onto your bookstore, <laughs> but like, you're one of those people. And then, and then all of a sudden we know, like, how many people do we know in common? Oh, lots. Like, how did that even happen? Like, we probably I don't know. even met at one point or another. And didn't we probably know did. Yeah. So weird. Because mm. I remember you volunteered to come and help load the shelves with books yeah. when we first moved into the store. Yeah. You didn't even know. You didn't know me from Adam. I'm like, I'll come and put books on the shelves all day long. That's fun. <laughs> You're like, ah, no weirdo. But then... <laughs> I think you text or you message me through Instagram a couple of days. You're like, yeah, okay, we have lots of books. Come on down, weirdo. Tyra, come on down. And then you did. You sat there. You plunked your butt down on that floor, and you did. You did the whole pocketbook section. Yeah, that's fun for me. I could do that all day. I could just sit in your bookstore all day and just look at all the books. And I think that's why I buy so many books. It's because I sit in my little reading area mm -hmm. sometimes, and I'll just look around. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm in my own little bookstore. And my husband caught me doing yeah. that the other day. He goes, are you just going to sit there and look at your books? Yeah. Yeah, I am. All day. Okay. All so, day. Yeah. Go get me a beer, please. 
<laughs> Honestly, how but, but how relaxing and satisfying is that feeling? It's my happy place. Oh. At the end yeah. of the day, after listening to all that crap at work, I come home and I sit there for a bit and I just look around like, oh, okay, I just, oh, decompress. Yeah. It, it's just, you know what? They're just blocks of paper, but they're also not because so many people, when they have books around them or they have them in their hands or just yeah. knowing that they're available yeah. to them, there's something about having books in your space mm-hmm. that is, it's not just art. It's not just functional. They're not just for school. They are these personal little nuggets of satisfaction that we keep around us. Mm-hmm. It's very appealing. I The coziness of it, it there's nothing like it. Do you remember the uh, tornado in the 80s? In the I Louis do. In Edmonton? Okay. So we were home and my mom, we were all going into the basement and my mom's like, okay, grab the important stuff and let's get it down to the basement. I'm like, okay. So I grabbed my hamster cage and I brought that to the basement with my hamsters in it. And then I like, it took me a couple trips and it sh- I shouldn't have been doing that. Like, mom, like, what were you thinking? Letting me do this. But I grabbed my entire collection of Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew and Street Valley High and I took the whole thing down to the basement so I had like all of my books and my hamster (laughs) (laughs) you were set that was what was important like I grabbed like that's what I grabbed like I didn't well I don't know what would be important to I don't can't even remember how old I was 10 maybe 12 Mm -hmm. when was Mm -hmm. I 87 12 I just totally aged myself but that's okay I was 15 12 and then yeah. uh, yeah that's my hamster and my Nancy Drews. That's what I wow. wanted to save. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Sweet Valley Highs. Yeah, me too. Oh, I can still picture the covers and we used to collect them. So you, if you're missing like number five, yeah, you were always in the hunt for number five. Like just yeah. to know the Wakefield sisters and yeah. their whole story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember we- she described one day how she put on a, ca- a pink cashmere sweater <laughs> and she brushed her hair until it shone. I was like, Damn, I can never achieve that no matter what I do. Like, I have my hair is not straight either, so that never worked for me. Plus, I was, you know, was I am Asian, so it doesn't matter what I do, I'm never going to be a California blonde girl, so that no. never worked for me either. No. Did they have any Asian characters in that story? You know what? I was thinking back and I don't remember a single one. Huh. But, wow. um, what was Francine Pascal? That's yeah. Her name? Yep. I'm part of another book club because she wrote another one. It's like a Sweet Valley Confidential, I think was her latest one. Okay. And I'm part of this club called Canadian Enablers. And they, one member of this book club got a hold of Francine Pascal and convinced her to come onto our Zoom meeting after we all read Sweet Valley Confidential. So she was there. And we got to ask her all these questions that I got to tell him, like, I loved your books as a kid. I, it helped me to learn English. And she was, oh, my God, that's fantastic. So I got to talk to her. We all got to talk to her. To Francine Pascal. To Francine Pascal. And so we were all, because all of us grew up on Sweet Valley High. And oh, yeah. I remember we were all, like, she came on Zoom and we all just, you could hear a pin drop. And we were all just staring at her like, this is crazy. What? the what the bookstagram community has been able to do and how accessible everyone is because of zoom because of the pandemic like it's like we're isolated physically Mm -hmm. but we've all reached out and come together virtually which is very strange and i got to meet um john fram the author of um the brightlands Great book. One of our favorite, favorite, favorite um, book club reads. What's that one about? It's about um, a gay man who goes back to his hometown in Texas because his brother went missing. So he starts to investigate what happened to him. And it, um, he runs into all of his old friends or schoolmates from way back when, when he was in high school and coming out as a gay man. So it's kind of that journey. Mm-hmm. But in and around that journey, there's this, oh, I can't even explain it. It's like a whole conspiracy in this town. And the ending 
will blow your mind because it seems like a normal investigative procedural story without the police is kind of, you know, this main character's procedural story. Yeah. And then the climax of the book is nuts. It was, it, it, I had no idea. I can't even say what it is about because it'll, like, I don't want to ruin that for anyone, but it's called Bright Lands by John Fram. And uh, I had put a review on it on Bookstagram and tagged him on it. And he replied, I'm like, Oh my God. So then I got all giddy fangirl. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he goes, well, thanks for the review or something like that. And as a joke, because I have no mental filter, of course I write, I'm like, Hey, thanks. You know, thanks for the comment. Thanks for the like, and if you have nothing else better to do tonight, we're getting together to talk about this book. <laughs> I'll send you the link to our zoom. And then I forgot about it. And then an hour later I went back and he replies like, yeah, sure. That'll be fun. I'm like, Oh my God. So I, sent all the message to the rest of the book club. I'm like, okay, I may have accidentally invited John Fram to our meeting. So this is like an hour and a half before the meeting now. So now we're freaking out like, oh my God, we got to prepare questions. <laughs> oh my God, we got to do this. And we have to, you know, shower and do our hair and makeup and stuff. And so we're you gotta all, smell good. Yeah. Are like frantically running around and we met, you know, 15 minutes earlier. And we, you know, talked about like what we were going to ask him. And then he came on Zoom. And then I just went, okay, I need to know, is this character real? Like, like his friend, I'm like, I need to know this person is real. And, you know, she's a friend of yours. And we forgot to introduce ourselves. And then we <laughs> went through the whole thing. And at the end, I'm like, okay, you guys can't let me talk first because I get excited and I forget the important things. Like he knows none of our names because we didn't even get a chance to introduce ourselves because Elise just like exploded with her questions. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But that's what Bookstagram but, has done. Like, just, yeah. it's, you know. It, it lets your passion have a podium, right? You all of a sudden get to share that with people and people you would never meet in real life. I mean, I think that is just the most amazing thing. The reading community, when they decide to reach out and connect with one another, mm -hmm. is impressive. Right? It really is. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm blown away on a regular basis by how people connect and create conversation and community outside of their regular life. Yeah. Yeah, books are, books are a very isolating thing. Because when you sit and read, it's mm -hmm. just you and the book. Yes. Right? But then when you look up from your book, you want to talk to people. Mm. Because a whole world just happened in your head. Mm-hmm. You got to talk to somebody about it and you want to see who had a similar experience and what you have in common. And it's just such a beautiful thing for unity. And I'm, I'm also inspired by people. Like when you read books that I would never read, mm -hmm. I want to know about that yeah. because it might not make me want to read it, but hearing the way you talk about it, mm -hmm. I want to be a part of that. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Whatever. One Nordic Noir book. Just read. If I was to read one, which would you tell me to, to choose? The Chestnut Man. The that Chestnut Man? Chestnut Man. That was probably one of my favorites this year. Is and am I gonna am I gonna be able to sleep after? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> so if I'm at wake at three in the morning, I'm gonna call you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually up. I'm a night owl, so Okay. The Chestnut Man. Who's that by? I don't know that I can pronounce his name. He was the screenwriter for the show The Killing. Have you seen? I did see that. Yeah, he wrote the he wrote the screenplay for that, but the um, the um, European version. Oh, yeah. um, Soren. So S O R E N. Yeah, and the last name is spelled S V E I S T R U P. Okay, I won't try to say that either. Sure. Weistruck? Sure. Weistruck? Yeah. But that was probably one of my favorites this year. Really good. Very, they also have um, very short little chapters, which make it very easy to follow. Yes. Yeah. And another favorite author that I found through Bookstagram, I think I've told you about him, J.D. Barker. He, yes, you did. He did the um, Four Monkeys series. Oh my God. Probably one of the best trilogies I have ever read in my life. And what is the premise of that trilogy? Oh, there is so much. There's so much. Oh my God. I don't even know if I can. Uh, I can't. I don't even know how to summarize it. 
it's basically, well, obviously it's a, a police officer who is investigating a, uh, potentially a serial killer. And then after all this twisted stuff happens at the end, you find out what the relationship is and what the, um, what the serial killer's motive is and who and how everybody that's been killed all comes together. I don't know that I can say more about it without giving okay. it all away. It's very intricate. It's so good. Um, I read, so I had the, I borrowed the first book from the library and I had the second book from the library and I read them literally back to back. So I read all night, one night, went to work. Then I came home and I read all night, the second book in the, in the trilogy. And I didn't have the third book. No bookstore had it. I checked your website. I checked Indigo. Yep. I think I even called you about yep, it. You did. I checked Indigo. I checked the library. I checked everywhere. I checked Kobo. Kobo didn't have it. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't have a Kindle, but that was the only place I could get it. So I bought it off the Kindle. I got the Kindle app. I read the whole damn book on my phone the following night. My eyes were burning. Sure they were. Of course. <laughs> was a gosh. But I read that whole book. Like it took me probably about two days to find it. And then I spent that whole third night reading my phone. And then by when I was done, my eyes were burning. I was tired. And I'm like, oh my God. I was emotionally exhausted <laughs> from the ending. And I'm like, and the way it ended, I just went, no, 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 no. This can't be the way it ends. Because you hate the guy, like you're hating all the wrong people throughout the whole book. And you're rooting for all the wrong people. And at the end of the book, you find out that, God, you're stupid, Elise. You've been wrong this whole time. And it hurt my intellectual feelings. <laughs> and I'm like, how did I not see this? I'm like, no, this can't be. So it's like right after you kind of find out what you've been wrong about, then the author just punches you in the face and there's no redeem. Like you don't get to redeem yourself because of what happens at the very end. You're like, no, this cannot be happening. Someone needs to walk towards the sunset and have a happily ever after. After all of this, this person needs to have a happily ever after and they don't. And it's That's kind of like real life though. We don't always get the sunsets. JD Barker, if you're listening to this, you just, you just, you ripped my heart out and you stepped on it. Oh, you destroyed her. Went and I read all of his other standalones and they were all great too. So, Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm writing that down. I will put that in the show notes so people can find it. See, Hema, one of our book club girls, she goes, I just finished The Jigsaw Man and whoa, it was so good. Just long AF. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I'm excited to read this one now. Yeah. Okay. I'm writing that down too. Now, do you ever listen to audiobooks? Yeah. I've recently got into it because I listen to it while I'm driving because I do, I drive to work, I drive back and I find that I can fit like another one or two books in during the Yeah. During oh, the it's a great way yeah. to add extra books to your list. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you find for like, for I'm going to call them scary titles because that's how I feel. How do you feel for scary titles? How does it translate for you in audio format? Is it more scary, less scary? It, it's more scary. I was listening. Well, you and I were talking about it. I think we, um, I just uh, listened to The Deep by Nick Cutter. Right. So scary. That whole book plays on, like, if you have claustrophobia or if you have, if you're scared of being submerged in water, which I am. Oh, my God. That book freaked me out. And I was listening to it while I was driving to work and driving back. So, I mean, it just makes the car close in on you. Mm the way it's um the way he reads it too interesting yeah and i also listened to um my sister the serial killer have you read that book it's no, by an I've african seen it. an african author a female african author um really good but when whoever did the narration of it it's their own um natural accent so you feel like you're immersed in more so like immersed in that society mm. and that culture more so than if you were to just read the book in your own head, in your own voice. Yeah. Right. So listening to that book, I think made it way better for me. And also bunny. I listened to that one too. 
and the different voices that she gives to the different characters in the book was really excellent. Really like that. But that Nick Cutter one freaked me right out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I probably won't listen to these in audio because I don't think I need that extra level of creep in the in the narration. I don't think I can handle it. Yeah, it was really good. I think it would be I read the end of The Deep and it is still scary, but it didn't have the same effect as if I was I mean uh-huh. when I was listening to it as an audiobook. Would you like to do the rapid fire 30? Oh yeah, okay, go ahead. Oh, so yeah? 30? Okay, go. Okay, yeah. go. <laughs> okay. Who is an author you'd like most to have a drink with? Karen Slaughter. Which fictional world or time period would you like to spend a weekend in? In ancient Egypt when the pyramids are being made. Because we need to know how those suckers are made. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) Name a book that changed how you see the world. Every book I read changes the way I see the world. Fabulous answer. What is a book that broke your heart? Oh, Highway of Tears. I fall through the whole thing. Yeah. If the story of your life were made into a film, who would play you? Ali Wong, for sure. Oh, okay. I can totally see that. Yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> big time. Big time. What's a book that did not live up to its hype? Jar of Hearts. What book has been on your TBR the longest? Alias Grace. What would the title of your biography be? Get Off My Lawn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> That's so good. Um, what is a screen adaptation that you think is better than the book? Interview with the Vampire or The Green Mile. What was the last book you bought? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, these are hard! <laughs> last oh, book. Oh, um, do no, I don't remember. Okay. I don't like because I buy like a whole bunch at a time. You know me. I do. I do. I know. So I don't remember. Okay, it's all good. It's a bunch. It's 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 not a test. It's totally it's fine. A bunch. Okay, good. <laughs> Last book someone gave you. Next to die. Last book you reread. Oh, um, Little House in the Big Woods. I reread that book all the time. Do you? Yeah. Last book you suggested to someone. Chestnut Man. There you go. It's right now. <laughs> Last book you posted a picture of? The Silent Wife. Book you're reading right now? Broken. Next book you can't wait to start? Jigsaw Man. Who's the best literary villain? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. That guy on the Four Monkeys trilogy. But I okay. can't remember his damn name. <laughs> name a book that meant a lot to you as a child. Little House in the Big Woods. Ebook or tree book? Tree book. Borrow or buy? Buy. Weirdest thing you've ever used as a bookmark? A toothbrush. <laughs> I was reading while I was brushing my teeth and then I had to put it down for a sec. <laughs> Perfect. Your favorite place to read? In my room, in my easy chair, my little book nook. Perfect. A book you loaned out and never got back. The likeness, May. Are you going to read that, May? <laughs> a book May. you borrowed and never returned. That would also be a book of May's. I can't remember what it was, though. Okay. Okay. How do you track your reading? I track it with Goodreads and also with Bookstagram. Okay. Yeah. What is the thickest book on your shelf? The Canadian Criminal Code of Canada, or the the Criminal Code of Canada. (laughs) That sucker's big. What is your favorite word? No. What do you drink while reading? Water or beer. How many books did you read last year? I looked that one up for you, 62. Ooh, impressive. There you go. You just did a rapid fire 30. Was that it? That was 30 questions? That was 30. Oh, you nailed that sucker. Woo. Well done. Yeah, my memory's gone bad. Like I don't, I think that's part of the reason why I have bookstagram. I just can't remember stuff anymore. No, I can't either. No. I call it book brain. It just, they leak right out. Yeah. I was hosting a book club at the store and I had literally finished a book that morning. And somebody said, uh, have you finished any books lately? Do you think I could remember that book for the life of me? 
It was that day. Oh, I know what you mean. Oh. Like that villain's name, I should know. That villain's name. And also the villain in um, Stalker for Lars Kepler. He's another good one. Now that's a series, right? Stalker. Yeah. Uh, the, well, the, the Lars Kepler series is the... Uh, Juna, Lena Juna. No, see, I can't remember the main character's name, and he's my pretend boyfriend. He's your pretend boyfriend. Yeah, my pretend boyfriend, and I don't remember his name. Uh, <laughs> Juna <laughs> Lena, I think it is. <laughs> Sorry, Juna. I still He'll love you, but you know. But the the villain in in that one was just I love a good bad guy. There is something very compelling about that. Love yeah. it, love it. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me about books. This was fun. This is my first podcast, so super fun. Thanks for thinking of me. You're welcome. I love your reading style, and I love how passionately you take your reading life into your real life with other people. You just invite people into it, and you can't help but share all those things with others, which I find incredibly attractive. (laughs) Well, thank you. It is so... Um, appealing to me that somebody shares themselves like that and creates community. So you're very welcome. I think you do such a good job of it. Thank you. And I love your bookstore. Everybody should go there. If you're sad, go there. If you're mad, go there. Want to talk to someone, go there. Go there. Buy a book, go there. Just go there. Go to Daisy Chain Book Company. Just go there. Yeah, I would concur with that. Yeah. I think that's a good... That's a good idea. <laughs> well, thank you. That was fun. You should do it again sometime. You did a good job, girl. We had so much fun with that conversation. And we had a lot to say after we stopped recording. So stay tuned because there will be more future episodes with Elise talking about spooky books. Because let's be honest, I'm not going to read them because spooky books kind of scare me. Which I know is the point, but some people totally gravitate towards that, which is why the reading life is so extraordinary. When you find people who like something you don't, talk to them about it. Get their feedback on it. It doesn't mean you have to read all those things, but it does give you insight into what they like and what's out there. And as a bookseller, I like to know what's available, and I especially appreciate somebody who reads something I don't read because then I can learn more about what makes a really good thriller book and I can still sleep. Yeah, sleeping is really important. But for all of you who love a spooky book, I've put all the books that we talked about in the show notes, so fill your boots. Okay, before we finish off, I'm just going to give you an update on the books that I've read recently. The first one I'm going to talk about is A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. Recently, I had read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which I talked about, which was one of my favorite books of the last year. So I was very intrigued to dive into her fantasy series that I'd heard so many good things about. This is the first book in a trilogy. And the basic storyline is Kel, who is a magician called an Antari, He has the ability to travel between Londons. So there's a gray London, a red London, a white London, and a black London. And each London has its own characteristics. And he's able to go back and forth and and be a go-between because he is an ambassador for pretty much... it's, It's like each country has its own political agenda and history and story. And he's the one who goes back and forth and tries to mediate and talk to them and whatnot. However, each London also has its own unique flavor, if you will. And Kel is also a smuggler of sorts. So he's kind of a crafty little dude who uses his magic and his position to get the things he wants and advance himself a little bit. Well, along the way, he meets Delia, who is sort of a pickpocket. She's a little crafty soul herself. And they get entangled and they decide they're going to advance together to try and save all four worlds. There is a bad guy. There is some dark magic. There is a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's The first book, as always, I think, in a trilogy or in a series, sets the tone and gives you a sense of what all the worlds are about and 
really gives you the groundwork. So I think that this book did a really good job of doing that. And I'm very excited to get into the second book because I'm intrigued. I didn't know how I felt about the book when I was reading it, but after I finished the book, I sure did think about it a lot. That's always a really good sign. If I finish a book and then I kind of instantly forget about it, that's not a really good indicator of a win for me. So that was A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. Now, another book that I finished recently is called What Alice Forgot by Leanne Moriarty. This one was very interesting. Literally, from the very first page, all I wanted to do was read this book. It had such a strong, compelling nature. So Alice Love is her name. And even though she sounds like a character in a romance novel, she's not. She is at the gym one day and falls off her spin bike, which would make a very good scene in a movie, and wakes up and doesn't know exactly what time she's in. She has forgotten the last 10 years of her life. Now, in the last 10 years, some very significant things have occurred, such as, oh, I don't know, giving birth to three children and then deciding to divorce your soulmate. So when she wakes up, none of these things have happened and she embraces her life in a very childlike way with all of the shock that her 10 year later self would do these things because she has this innocence and this, I don't know, it's sort of a a passion and a juvenile unfiltered intensity for what she thinks is good and right and simple because 10 years ago her life made sense and had a very clean path and all of a sudden... She doesn't like who she is. She doesn't know what she's doing with her life and she cannot make heads or tails of it. Um, Can I just also say, she has also just met and is trying to parent three children that she has never met before who call her mom. That would be bananas. That is just insane to me. It kind of had a feel like, have you seen the film Regarding Henry with Harrison Ford? If you haven't, that is a must. It was written by J.J. Abrams when he was super young, like way, way before he was known for all of the things he's done lately. But it is the same kind of idea. It is a movie about a guy who's living a very certain kind of life as a lawyer, walks into a convenience store, gets shot, and when he wakes up, he's not who he was. He's a very simple, innocent, straightforward, um, almost childlike kind of adult. And he doesn't see all the bad things and the the ways that he took advantage of people as a benefit. He thinks those are dreadful. And so his life is now changed. This has a very similar feel. And I really did cheer for Alice. And I, I carried along her feelings of disgust and disappointment at who her later self had become. And I just really wanted her to have her old life back too. <laughs> so... What Alice Forgot by Leanne Moriarty also has a twist, as Leanne Moriarty always does. Um, But it's a good one. I think that someday they will make a film of this, and it may be all right. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a good one. It was a four star for me. Let me see. What else have I finished? Oh, I started to read a book called The Relatives by Camilla Gibb. Now, I've seen Camilla Gibb books come through the store regularly, and I was intrigued. So I thought, absolutely, always try something just because you're curious. Why not? So this book is literally about what it means to be a parent in a modern world. So there are different storylines. Let me just kind of break that one down. So Tess and Emily are a couple, and they are separated, but what they decided to do was parent together and have a child artificially inseminated. But then after the separation, they are fighting over ownership of embryos that were once going to be used to increase their family. Then there is a character called Lila, who is a social worker working with children going through difficult times. And she herself is processing what it means to want to be a mom and the long and really difficult journey towards that. And then as a storyline that seems a little bit unattached to the other two, we learn about a man who is kidnapped in Somalia and is held there for a while. Um, His story is awful, of course. But you think, what does it have to do with the other two? 
Well, Camilla Gibb does sort of wrap that all together. However, it just was not a book that actually meshed for me. I didn't get to know or really care about any of the characters enough to cheer for them or frankly really care what happened to them. And then I just didn't see how at the end it made a cohesive message. I think a book that considers what it means to be a family and all the things it takes to create families in this very modern time and all of the ethical dilemmas and all of the hardships and the victories, I think those premises make a really, really good story. I just think this one kind of missed the mark for me. Well, that's it for me today, friends. Thank you for spending time with me. It means so much that you choose to fill your ears with whatever bookish ramblings I'm going to talk about <laughs> this time. Um, thank you again to Elise for spending time with me in the conversation. That was so fun. So remember, in your reading life, be relevant, be generous, and be unforgettable. And may your reading life be extraordinary. Until next time, bye!